<laughs> Last week, I had two cancerous moles cut out of my shoulder. I have this condition. I've actually probably got a lot of conditions, but this one condition in particular sees my moles turn cancerous, and actually my uncle passed away when he was only 35 of a mole on his head, and, um, and so my mum and my family are absolutely freak out about the moles on my body. So last week, I have to go and, uh, and get a couple more cut out. I think I'm now up to about 18 that have been cut out of my body. My back, it makes for a great story when you're at youth camp. I've told lots of stories between crocodile attacks and shark attacks and gangs attacking me down at Darling Harbour, but don't worry, I live to tell the story. Um, but my back is an absolute uh, war zone. So when I tell people that I'm off to the skin specialist, everyone's got a guy. Have you ever noticed that in life, that everyone's got a guy? Oh, who do you go to? Oh, I've got a guy. Oh, you should see my guy. Oh, I've got a guy. He is the best. He is the best of everything. And everyone's got a guy. Whether you go into the chiropractor, who do you see? You say, oh, no, you should see my guy. My guy down here, he is such and such. Which physio? No, you don't want that physio. You want this physio. He is so much. Which doctor do you go to? No, I've got a guy. Every single person you talk to has got a guy. And for whatever reason, their guy is always better than your guy. I don't know why their guy is always better than your guy, but they always seem to make out that their guy is better than your guy. And for whatever reason, they've then got to justify it, that their guy is always like, I don't know, the foot specialist to the astronauts who go into space or something like this. Like Their guy has always got some level of accreditation, works with people that your guy could never even possibly dream of working with. So why would you even bother going to that person? And it's really interesting because we've all been there where people have tell us who they who we should be seeing. And when people tell us who we should be seeing and about their guy, we do two things. We look at them and we look at the person who's telling us and we make a judgment call as to whether or not we think we should see their guy. Who do you go to for your hair? You go to that hairdresser? Really? You should go to my hairdresser. And right then we look at that person and we think, hmm, do I really want to look like that? (laughs) And we make a judgment call and we decide either, okay, You've got a good point there. I might try that out. Or we go, hmm, thank you anyway. And we nod politely. We'll go, oh, thank you for that. And we nod politely. Or we go, oh, can I have a card? We do that all the time. I've got a personal trainer. Hmm, really? Okay. (laughs) We've all got a guy and we all look at a person and when they tell us about their guy, we make a judgment call as to whether or not we're going to follow up on going ahead with their guy or whether we're happy to stick with our guy. So this morning, the title of this sermon is, I've Got a Guy. And we're going to find out about, I've Got a Guy. So would you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. I have absolutely been loving this series on Elisha. And I really, truly believe that as Elisha, the man of God, through him, God's spirit was at work. We read every Sunday by his spirit, and I really pray believing that by his spirit this morning, God's going to reveal. So before we read his word, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, by your spirit, I pray these words come off the page. Lord God, by your spirit, I pray that lives are changed. Lord God, by your spirit, I pray that we carry you into our day, day living. Lord, by your spirit, I pray that we can live holy lives just as we are called to be holy because you are holy. Lord God, by your spirit, penetrate our hearts and minds this morning. And Lord God, by your spirit, may this man, Naaman, and Elisha, and that servant girl, 
not be a distant story in an old history book, but may it speak into our hearts and lives today. May we leave here changed people because your spirit is alive in this place. Heavenly Father, have your way. Amen. So, you know you battle a little bit of ADD, adult ADD, when the first 15 minutes of your sermon prep is just pronouncing the name Naaman in a whole heap of different voices, going, nah, man, nah, man, nah, man. You know you suffer a little bit of adult ADD when that's the first 15 minutes of your sermon prep before you actually even get past the first verse that you're actually supposed to be preaching on. So let's go to, now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young, slave, a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to Naaman's wife, to her mistress, sorry, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman with his horses and chariots went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and, I've no, and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimon, Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. So we meet this guy, Naaman. How is he described? He is described as a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded because he had had victories, and a valiant soldier. His master was the king. It's always good to be friends with the king. When the king regards you highly, you know that you are going to be in a good place. 
This man is an incredible man. He is a successful man. He is a powerful man. Their army has won victories. They have taken over land. They have brought in captives. They are a successful, powerful army, and they are led by a man called Naaman. And we know that wherever he walked, whenever he spoke, people would have listened. They would have bowed down. They would have done exactly as he would have commanded them right there and then because he is the commander of the army. His master is the king. And they know that when Naaman speaks, he is speaking on behalf of the king. When he calls them into battle, they go. When he tells them to do something, they do it. When he walks through the palace, people move out of his way. They give him honour and glory because he's the commander of the army. He is a successful, powerful man. He would hold a position in that land that most other men would have only dreamt of holding. I would love to be the commander of this army. I would love to be the commander of this army. Look at the power. Look at the possessions you can have. Look at the prestige, the fame, the fortune. I want to be that guy. I want to be held in high regard by the king. I would love the king to be shining his light down on me and giving me favour because he holds me in high regard. He has achieved a lot. Many of us would love to be in that same successful place. Not once does he talk about his relationship with God. Not once does he talk about God did any of this stuff through him. He did it. It's him. It's all about he is this incredibly great, influential character in the land. Do you know, sometimes I think that we get fed the same type of lie here in the earth. Study hard. Work hard. Choose the right course at university. Put your head down. Get a good job. When you get a good job, be the first to work. Be the last to leave. Do everything the boss asks you to do. Get some favour from the boss. Make some good deals. Make some good decisions. The boss will smile his favour upon you. You'll get promotion upon promotion. And we can end up into some really wonderful places. We can end up being quite successful. And I wonder how many times do we stop along the way and actually give the glory and honour to God because it's only by His grace at work in our life. But God had given uh, Naaman a whole heap of victories that said he had worked through him. He had worked through Naaman. So even though Naaman didn't recognize it, God was at work in and through his life. We are all, we are all God's workmanship. We are all God's workmanship. Not just those who have chosen to accept it and recognize it, every single one of us. And God can use us despite of ourselves. And God has been at work in Naaman's life. He was a valiant soldier. So he's not a leader that sits at the back. When you're a valiant soldier, that means you are out there fighting the battles. He is at the front. He is fighting. He would have faced death and overcome. He would have been injured and had to keep persevering. He would have saved fellow men. He would have led these guys into battle. He was courageous and determined. He is an incredible man of valor. Man, he's the type of guy that a lot of us look up to and respect highly. A lot of us would love to work with a bloke like that. A lot of us would love to have a guy like that in our organisation. Successful, powerful, valiant, hardworking, driven, motivated. He's not a guy sitting back. This man has achieved a lot. He has achieved everything. And then we read these words. But he had leprosy. He had leprosy God is no respecter of persons he didn't say to Naaman oh oh, sorry man I didn't mean to get you the commander of the army I meant the guy next to you 
bad things are going to occur to us in our life. We are going to face storms. We're going to have afflictions. We live in fragile, fallen, broken bodies. We live in a world that has evil and corruption. We live in a world that has scientific principles. that means things are going to happen and go beyond. And just because we're the worship leader doesn't mean that we are safe from some of that stuff going on. Oh, I didn't mean to get you. I meant that to be for the drummer. (laughs) Sorry, Scotty. Just because Naaman is this incredibly powerful commander, the leader of the, the, leader of the army, the right-hand man to the king, doesn't mean that he is immune from some of this stuff going on. He had leprosy. And we know that when we read in the Bible, when we read about leprosy in the Bible, leprosy is a skin condition, yeah? Where's the doctor? It's a skin condition, yeah, but it actually stems from an issue in the blood. Sounds about right. I read it on Google. Must be true. (laughs) It stems from an issue in the blood and it shows itself on the skin. And now we could go into a whole lot of, you know, the the extremities of it all and everything like that. And no doubt you've all got a doctor. You could tell me that I need to see to find out more about it. (laughs) But he's got leprosy. And I imagine that when you have got the favour of the king you would have done a lot of stuff to try and overcome this leprosy. You would have seen the best doctors. You would have seen a lot of doctors. You would have gone to a lot of specialists. You would have been given the best foods and the right diet. You would have been given the right exercise. You would have been given the right clothes. You would have been given the right conditions to live in. You would have been given the right lotions and ointments to be putting onto this thing to try and make it go away. When you have got the favour of the king and you are the commander of the army, there is nothing that you would not do to try and cure this disease. It stems from something in the blood and reveals itself on the flesh. Whenever they use leprosy in the Bible, it's used as symbolic of sin in our life. Whenever you read of leprosy and the way that they go about curing leprosy, when they talk about leprosy, they use it as a symbolism for sin in our life. And it's interesting that we can have a whole lot of stuff that goes on in our life that can go on in here and it can go on in there. And we think that it doesn't show on the outward. outward. We think we've got it to ourselves. We know the thoughts that we've thought. We know the ways that we've acted. We know the ways that we've treated people or spoke about things. We know the way that we reacted to situations and to people. We know all of that stuff. We know what goes on in there and in there. And we think that we can hide that from every single other person. But as leprosy actually goes on internally in the blood, it reveals itself bit by bit by bit to potentially where limbs are loss of limbs and things like that and I imagine that Naaman has tried everything possible to try and sort this out and for so many of us we know that thing inside of us we know that area of our life that is not great we know that area of our life that is not wonderful we know that area we're not proud of We know that area that we do in secret and in the dark because we don't want other people to know about it. We know the thoughts that we have that we're not proud of and we try to overcome them. 
oh, I won't think about that anymore. Oh, I won't hang out with that person anymore. I won't watch TV at that time of night anymore. I won't look on the internet in my bedroom anymore. We know the stuff that we've tried to do to overcome these things in our life that hold us back. We know that we've tried and we've tried, and yet still sometimes they just keep hanging on to us and they keep coming up against us. And we might have a good week. We might have two weeks where we can actually go without that thought, without that action, and we think that we're going okay, but then it comes up again and there it is right there back on us. And so we just learn to live with this bit inside of our life. And so when we think about our life as a whole, and we think about ourselves, and we think about people who we think are really godly, and we think about us, we put ourselves on a scale somewhere in between, and we know that scale somewhere in between is because of that one or two things that are just hanging in there in our life. And we know that we've tried, because we've tried, because we've tried, and we've read the right books, and we've read, listened to the right talks. We've gone to the right person. And yet still it's just there. Can't quite get rid of it. And I imagine that Naaman would have been the same with his leprosy. A man in his position wouldn't have just dealt with it, learned to live with it straight away. He would have tried to have this thing cured. And he would have been given all the best opportunities in the land to get this part of his life cured and still nothing could break through. So what does he do? What is that part inside of our life? You know, when I was reading this passage, I was so convicted, so convicted on so many different levels. I said to Pam, there's a whole series just here in looking at Naaman and this whole, this one chapter. There's a series right here. I was convicted because as a man, I could relate to Naaman. Driven, motivated, wanting to be the leader. Treating people at work one different way, having that part of life where everyone can see what's up in front and then... How am I in my own private thoughts? How am I when I'm at home with my wife? Am I treating my spouse exactly the same way that I treat those people I work with? Because when I'm at work, I am lovely and I'm compassionate and I'm caring. And then Esther says I'm exactly the same way at home, so it's really great. So (laughs) But what is that one area? What is that one area that we know just isn't 100% And it's just there. And we've just learned to live with it because this morning I've got a guy. I find it really interesting in the Bible, names are really symbolic of the person. Yeah, they use use names and are reflected a bit about their character, reflected about their calling, reflected about what God had for them. Names in the Bible were really, really important. So because I've got a little bit of ADD again and I got to this part of my preparation, I thought, what do I do? I'll look up what some of the meanings and names in our congregation are because that's what you do. And so I came up and found that Pam, Pamela, means sweetness. That's lovely, yeah? I found out that Ian means gift from God. That's fair call. I also found out that Darren means great. I'm not making it up. It's what's on Google. Darren means great. And then I had a fantastic one for my young friend Bradley Witcherak, who's not here, so I hope he's going to watch this because Bradley, we've got sweetness, we've got gift from God, we've got great, and Brad means a broad clearing in the wood. I thought that was wonderful. So that's what Brad means. So uh, you work out where that comes from. But I find it interesting that Naaman's name, the meaning of Naaman is beautiful, pleasant. And is it interesting that a man who's described having this name as beautiful, pleasant, actually is then hit with an infliction, a disease that actually takes away from that? 
He's actually cut down with leprosy that actually eats away at the core of that. It is anything but beautiful or pleasant. It actually disfigures. It causes you to be ostracized. It is unclean. It is dirty. It's disgusting. No one wants to see it. No one wants to be around it. And that's the affliction he's hit with. And I find that really fascinating that that's the part that he's cut down with. That this man, beautiful, pleasant, with his high stature, is actually hit with an affliction that can actually pull that right down. So, what happens? I love attention in a text. Yeah, as a teacher, tensions in texts are good things. So what does he do? And this is where the title of this sermon comes from. A little slave girl, little servant girl taken captive, says to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Does this girl know who she is? Does she know whose house she is in? She's a servant girl taken captive from Israel. She's in the house of the commander of the incredible army that overtook her country, that took them into captivity. And she speaks up and says, man, my, there's a prophet could cure him. That is bold and courageous. Little girls should be seen and not heard. Slave girls, should, they're non-existent. And she speaks up. Now, she's obviously got a little bit of intelligence because she doesn't go straight to Neymar. She actually says it to the wife, and the wife is obviously very persuasive. Tell you what, I respect that courage. How many times have we have friends and family that we can see there's something going on in their life? We see there's something there, and we think, gee, I should speak up. Gee, I should have a word, and yet we don't. And we don't for family and friends... We've got family and friends that we won't even dare speak up about, have a conversation with. And yet this servant girl in the house of the commander of the incredible army of Aram that overtook Israel dares to speak up and say, actually, I've got a guy who could cure him of leprosy. That is bold and courageous. Man, she wanted to believe that that prophet Elisha was going to live up to his word because if she goes speaking this stuff out... She must have had absolute faith and confidence that actually this Elisha guy carried, the, carried God's promise and he could actually deliver on what happened. God uses every single one of us. And there are so many lessons in this story today. There's the lessons of Naaman's pride. There's the lessons here that a young servant girl can speak God's truth into someone's life. And there's people here today who are probably on both ends of the spectrum. There's some of us here who possibly relate to Naaman where we're quite successful and we've actually achieved a whole lot of stuff in life but there's that little bit in our life nagging us away and there's probably others of us who relate more to that servant girl who think, who am I to speak up? God can use every single one of us. So she speaks up and says, I've got a guy. Now Naaman, for whatever reason, he listens to this. Does he listen because he's run out of options? Does he listen? He's just so desperate. He just needs to have a cure. And look, no one's ever talked about this prophet. I've seen everybody else. What can it hurt? Why does he listen? Does he listen because he's curious? A prophet? Not a doctor? Not a specialist? Not a physician? A who? A prophet? So, this guy, this successful guy, what's he do? He goes to the king. 
Who did she say? She said there's a prophet in Samaria. What does he do? He goes to his king and he says, hey, king, there's this prophet who can help us out, help me out and cure me of my leprosy. And I wonder if the king had said, oh, who's told you that? That's fantastic news. Oh, just my servant girl. Imagine how that conversation would have gone down. So the king's now, you're listening to a servant girl? Man, you're the commander of the army. What are you listening to a servant girl? Anyway, he listens to the servant girl. He goes to the king. The king says, okay, I'll write you a letter. I'll write you a letter. You get together some really excellent gifts. Because if we can get lots of gold, lots of silver, clothes, fine linen, you get all of that stuff going on, you collect that, I'll write you a reference letter and I'll send it to the king and then the king will make sure it happens. They're trying to do it on their own. We talked before about read the right books, do this, do that. We always keep trying to do this stuff on our own. He had already tried a whole lot of stuff on his own. Doctors and diets and lotions and things and yet still he tries to keep doing this on his own. So the king sends him off and says, go to the king of Israel. So uh, Naaman loads up his stuff, gets all his goodies. He's going to work this out. He is going to make sure this prophet cures him. After all, he's Naaman. He's the commander of the army. When he presents himself, they will have to do this and they will have to cure him because he's the commander of the army and he's got the king's favor and now he's got a king's letter to say so. So he gets there to the king of Israel and the king of Israel freaks out. He thinks it's a trick. And why wouldn't you distrust him? They've just gone into battle with him. They've just overtaken him, taken a whole heap of their people captive. Like he's thinking, what's he after? What's, what's going on here? I don't believe this. I can't help you. How can I possibly cure you? Who am I? What can I do? Ah, tears his robes. Elisha. Elisha hears that he's torn his robes and says, oh, he was really distressed when he heard that the king had torn his robes. And so which is a nice thing for for Elisha to do. He's distressed. His robes have been torn. So he says, send him to me. Elisha says, send him to me. So now we've got this Naaman turning up. He's got chariots and horses. He's got gold. He's got silver. He's got clothes. He's got a letter. I've got a letter from the king of Aram. Yeah, he turns up and Elisha doesn't even come to the door. Sends a messenger out. Oh, just tell him to go and wash himself in the Jordan seven times and he'll be sorted. Naaman's standing there. Imagine what Naaman would have been wearing. Like when I read, I try to read him, what would Naaman have been wearing? Like he's the commander of an army. Yeah? You've got Elisha, the prophet of God. I wonder what he was wearing and I wonder what the place was like that he lived in. Because if you're living in this humble abode as, as a prophet and yet Naaman turns up with his chariots and his horses and his men and his messengers and his servants and his gold and his silver and that would have been quite a procession, procession coming up and Elisha just sends out his messenger. Just tell him to go and wash. Naaman gets what? He gets angry. He gets angry. I've come all this way. You're telling me to wash in the, in the Jordan? Man, the rivers back in Damascus are a lot better than your rivers. I could have done that myself. Why have I come here? I could have just washed myself in the two rivers back there in Damascus where I came from. Once again, it's I, 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 me, me, me. I can sort this out. I bought gifts. I bought a letter. You're telling me to wash. I could have done that back home. He's completely missing what this is all about. This morning, as we sit here, are we here because it's a nice thing to do? Are we here because it's where our friends are? Are we here because actually it just keeps my spouse happy that I turn up? Are we here because if I think I keep going to church, then good things will happen to me? Like, why are we here this morning? So Elisha sends his messenger out. He goes... Often a temper tantrum, often a rage. He's angry. Yeah, so when you're angry, there's actually, there's probably going to be some words flying around, probably things being thrown. There would have been, you know, the messengers would have copped it. Like when I get angry, everyone in the household knows about it. 
Like, I don't get angry and just go and sit in my room. Like, when I'm angry, the voice gets louder and bigger and I get in people's faces and there is stuff going on. Come on, what was Ian like when you used to get angry at you? No, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's excellent. It's all Luke. It was Luke. Yeah, look at his point to himself. Like, when my dad used to get angry, it was Angerville, Right? If you're the commander of the army, when you get angry, oh, geez, that's really disappointing. I thought he would have come out and talked to me. Oh, oh, well. Like, that's not how he's going to have responded. There is going to be stuff going on all around the place. He's now off in a rage and a temper tantrum. And then once again, who is it? It's the messengers in his life. It was a servant girl that sent him there. And it's now the messengers that go back and say, Master, if you had said to do something great and wonderful, would you not have done it? So if he says this to do something simple, why wouldn't you just do that? Man, the simple message of simple, the simple messengers in his life. Once again, the, the courage and the boldness to speak up. Man, they just easily could have gone. He was their master. He was their master and yet they spoke up. So Naaman thinks about this and says, well, there's got to be some truth in that. So he goes, dips himself in the Jordan seven times. And miraculously healed. Just while I'm in my ADD moment, do you ever think about what it would look like to dip yourself in a river seven times? Do you like walk in and fall down and you walk back out to the shore and you just get up and down seven times? I don't know. But he's dipped himself in the Jordan seven times and he's now miraculously healed. So he's miraculously healed and it says, it says there that his flesh was restored like that of a young boy. Wow. When God heals you, when God heals you, he doesn't just make it okay. He actually restored it to what it was like as a young boy. If you are here today and you've been living with an affliction, there is something in your mind or something in your heart, something in your circumstantial situation, you need to know God doesn't want you just to deal with it. He doesn't want you just to learn to live with it okay. He's not just going to say, oh, well, that's as good as it's going to get for you. Actually, he will restore it to like that of a young boy. I'll tell you what right now, if he could restore my cheekbones to that of a young boy, I would be very, very happy so I didn't have all these draggy lines hanging down the side of my face. A young boy. Imagine what your flesh looked like. For those of us who are aged, just look at your skin right now and go, man, imagine what it was like like that of a young boy. What a miraculous God. There's nothing in the water. There's nothing in the river. It's got nothing to do with the River Jordan. It's not like some special river that we should all go flocking to now to dunk ourselves in seven times so we now look like we're all young boys and young girls again. Nothing to do with the river. They use that river for a whole heap of other reasons. By his spirit. By his spirit. By his spirit that whatever is going on in our lives right here at the moment, God can work in that situation. Not just to bring it back to okay. Not just to bring it to average. But he can use it to restore to what it once was in its perfect, in its former glory, perfect days. He will restore that situation in our life. Naaman receives his healing. All because of a young girl who says, I've got a guy. So the band's going to come up for us. As the band are coming up, what blemishes do we carry today? I truly believe in the power of Jesus Christ.
and his Holy Spirit. Whenever leprosy was talked about being cured and healed throughout the Bible, it often talks about it was cleansed. Most times they talk about being cleansed from your leprosy. Jesus Christ's blood cleanses our hearts. Jesus Christ's blood has that same cleansing quality. David prayed a prayer, Create within me a pure heart, O God. And this morning, if you're here, I want you to know that I've got a guy. I've got a guy. I've got a guy whose name is above all other names. I've got a guy who was there at the beginning of the creation, sitting at the right hand of God, and he will be there at the end of days. I've got a guy. I've got a guy, and his name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. His name is Prince of Peace. His name is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I've got a guy. I've got a guy who heals. He is a healer. If you are standing here, sitting here today, he is a healer. I have seen the power of Jesus' healing qualities. If you're here today, suffering from mental health, I've got a guy. I've got a guy who cast out the demons of a young man and sent them into the pigs. I've got a guy. I've got a guy who said to his disciples, go. Go into the towns and release people. I've got a guy. I've got a guy that if you've got a work relation, a work situation or a family situation, I've got a guy who can speak into that. I've got a guy who can restore relationships no matter how broken and shattered they are. I've got a guy. I've got a guy that if you get home from being kind and lovely all day and you get home and you speak in anger to your family and you treat your kids in not quite the right way or you don't lift up your spouse to be the woman that she deserves to be, I've got a guy. This guy is alive and well and he lives inside of my heart. I've got a guy and I will tell anyone wherever they live, wherever they come from, whatever's going on in their world, that his name is Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. He is the only hope of the world. When you've tried counselling, when you've tried courses, when you've tried books, when you've tried doctors, when you've tried everything else, I've got a guy. And if you are here today and you are ready to meet this guy, I'm going to encourage you as we stand up and sing this song, I'm going to encourage you to come down this morning because I'd love to pray with you. Because the Spirit of God is alive and well. His Spirit lives within me and I've got a guy. You don't need to travel miles and miles to go and see him. You don't need to take silver and gold. I've got a guy. With a very simple message. And the message is that if you confess with your lips and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be healed. I've got a guy that when people, he encountered them when he walked on earth as man, And they came to him. He healed them of their physical sickness and physical ailments over and over and over again. And then he said, and I forgive your sins as well. I've got a guy. I've got a guy who stepped down from the throne of heaven, seated at the right hand of God, and he became a man. I've got a guy who went to the cross for nothing that he had done. 
deeper so that our sins could be forgiven and we could spend eternal life in heaven with him. And I've got a guy and his name is Jesus Christ. And at the end of the days, he'll be on a white horse and he will be known as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this morning, I'd love some of you people to stand up and to come and meet my guy, Jesus Christ. You've got a heart issue, let's pray Jesus Christ into that situation. You've got a sore leg, a sore arm, a hurting back, let's pray Jesus Christ can heal this morning. We can't have the words by his spirit written on our banner every single Sunday and not actually live by the spirit of God. I've got a guy who wants to unleash the power of his Holy Spirit upon us this morning. And this morning, I'm going to invite us as we stand and sing, I'm going to invite you to come and meet this guy. He is no ordinary guy. Let's stand and worship him this morning, the name of Jesus Christ. And if you want prayer this morning, I invite you to come forward because I would love to pray with you this morning that you would receive the power of Jesus Christ to heal and to work in your life. The most incredible guy of all guys. Because my guy, my guy conquered the grave. Did your guy? My guy conquered the grave. And he wants to heal you and release you and restore you today. And he will not just get it back to average or to just okay. He will get it to be like that in its former glory, perfect days like that of a young boy. Let's worship and praise him this morning. And if you want prayer, I invite you to come and down the front this morning.